I've been hearing something lately from friends and um, family members that I'm hearing it enough times that it's catching my attention. And what I'm hearing is people are saying, I think I'm going to take a break from Facebook for a little while or social media, Twitter. I don't know if you've felt that way lately or you know people that are saying something like that. Um, And I don't think it's because social media, Facebook, Twitter are inherently bad, right? I just think it's because of what we're seeing and reading. The things that people are sharing or they're getting posted that can sometimes be mean-spirited and passive-aggressive. Although I had somebody tell me this week, you could probably just drop the passive at this point, and it's just downright aggressive and hurtful and divisive. And so I'm hearing people say, I think I'm just going to take a break. I never thought I would long for the day where all I saw on social media was pictures of what people were eating, but (laughs) I'm there. (laughs) And yeah, maybe it's it's an issue on social media. I I think it's probably tapping into a, a deeper underlying issue that exists in our world in our culture, in our societies. Actually, an article I read about it that was talking about how people are taking a break and even younger generations aren't even getting on Facebook and, uh, or on Twitter and they're moving to other platforms. Uh, one of the things that uh, the author who wrote this uh, particular article said is what they're hearing, what they were hearing from people that they were interviewing was that after you've been on social media for a while and then you set your phone down, there's still these psychological fumes that fill the air and the space that you're in, like this residual that sticks with you, stays around you, even when you've put it down. And I do, I think it's indicative of something greater, something deeper that's underlying, that's permeating our space. But I also think there's an antidote. There's something that can be done. In fact, there's something that God is doing and is inviting us to be a part of. And so if we had to put a word on that, which we're going to do for the next three weeks, the word we're going to put on it is generosity. So we're going to spend three weeks in here in Chapel Roswell on the topic of generosity. The idea that we would give and give more and give more than is expected or required. We would be generous. And we're going to look at the concept or the topic or the idea of living generously from three different perspectives. Head, heart, and hand. And for each of those, we'll find an example of a story in the Bible, an interaction between Jesus and Jesus' disciples. Uh, We'll start with one when Jesus first calls his disciples and sends them out in the world. And then next week, we'll move to one 
that happens the night that Jesus is arrested to be tried and eventually crucified. And then the next will be what happens with Jesus' disciples after his resurrection and when he's ascended back into heaven and then they got to go, now what? And there's a thread, a theme that goes through all of these that is a call to be generous. And doesn't just mean giving money. That's not really what generosity is. It's so much deeper than that. Generosity is, is about a way of being, a way of existing in the world, an attitude, a perspective that we have on the world and everything in it so that we could be generous, live generously. And so we'll start today with being generous in our heads, with our minds, with our attitudes and thoughts. And so there's a particular place in the scripture in the book of Matthew where Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, like I said, just before he sends them out into the world, where he calls them to live generously. And, and this is a good point, I guess, for me to stop and say, if you don't care about being generous... <laughs> That doesn't matter to you if you're satisfied. If you're satisfied with the level of discourse in our nation and in our world and you're fine with it, then maybe these next three weeks aren't for you. So feel free to tune out or dip out. It's dark in here. Nobody will see you probably. Maybe. I don't know. But if you're interested in a better way, for us to exist with each other than what we're experiencing often right now, particularly on social media. Then tune in with me for these three weeks into what Jesus is teaching his disciples and by extension teaching us. Which brings me to another caveat though, by the way, is what we're going to read in just a minute from the Bible and in fact all of the Bible is written to Believers, if you will, people who are following Jesus, uh, people who claim that relationship with God, with Jesus. So it's not written to people who don't, right? I mean, the, the Bible is not written to people who don't believe in Jesus, which is an important perspective to have, to understand. It's not written as a tool to convert somebody. It, it's, it's written to people who follow Jesus. But even with that, I'd say if, if you're here this morning or you're with us online and that's not where you are, I still think you'd hear something of these next few weeks that'll be good for you, helpful for you, meaningful for you. And you may even hear something meaningful for you about Jesus. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 10. And I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. I'm reading from the message version of the Bible, which is more of a paraphrase, a modern paraphrase. But this is the story of the conversation Jesus has with his disciples right after he's called those disciples to come and follow him, and then he sends them out into the world. So this is what he says, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8. It'll be on the screens. You can follow along. 
It's also on our app where you can take notes too if you want. It says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood and tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. And I said that's the message version, which is kind of a paraphrase. If you've read that story before, you would recognize different language uh, where Jesus says to them, don't go out far away and try to convert unbelievers. Don't try to tackle some big public enemy. Um, What you might be used to reading is something that would say, um, don't go to Samaria, to the Gentiles or to Samaria, but stay right here in Jerusalem. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, Start right here at home. Start in your own neighborhood. Go to the lost, the confused, the hurting right here at home. And this is the problem, I think, sometimes with social media, with Facebook, with Twitter, is we engage in some national, global issue or conversation, debate or crisis And yes, it's important to be involved in these conversations, even on a national or global basis. But for the followers of Jesus, the people who are being sent out into the world, the people who are being sent to the world, the people who are being called to be a part of God's kingdom coming here and now, Jesus says it starts right here at home. Don't go out there, start right here. What about your own neighborhood? And that's the thing, these broad, general, national, one-step-removed kind of conversations, that's where we hear things like those left-wing, liberal, socialist, anything goes, whichever way the wind blows, snowflakes, or those right-wing, hard-line, fundamentalist, heartless Neanderthals. It detaches us from the personal, the local, the individual. It's a lot harder to use those kinds of words and those labels and that hurtful language when you're face-to-face one-on-one with somebody. And I think that's part of the reason why Jesus said, start right here at home. Start in your neighborhood with your neighbors, with the people around you. That's one of the reasons that I agreed to help moderate our city council debate this past Wednesday night with um, all the candidates for the four posts that are open And, you know, during the evening, I I heard things from people, candidates and not, stuff that made sense to me and I could get with, and some stuff that I was like, "Mm, nope, mm -mm. no, that wouldn't be, 
wouldn't be my way of thinking. But I thought it's important to be involved, to be invested, to be connected right here in my own town, in my own community, in my own neighborhood. And so if I can help, if I can participate and help encourage that dialogue and that involvement and and that interest for people, then then I'll do it. And so um, we spent about two hours at High Meadows Wednesday night in a city council debate with all the candidates. And, and I think it was helpful. It was worthwhile. Because there's something important about having that level of conversation right here at home. Now, I don't know that Jesus was necessarily just talking politically, and I'm not, I'm not either. That's an example. But definitely he's talking relationally. To be in relationship in our community with our neighbors, in our neighborhood. And what Jesus said is, don't go far away. Don't try to tackle some public enemy. Start right here at home in your own neighborhood. And what? And tell them the kingdom is here. Share the good news with your neighbors. The kingdom of God has come. He said, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchable. Kick out the demons. Because we've got some demons. Hatred. Bigotry. Oppression. Abuse. Addiction. Greed. Pride, some demons that need to go. In our neighborhood, we have people who are treated like they're untouchable because of their race, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation. Social status, buying power, address. Jesus said, touch the untouchables. Reach out your hand. Open up your arms. We're surrounded by people walking dead. Just going through the motions, chasing after fleeting things, empty inside, dying to know life, real, full, whole life, the way God created us to live it, dying to know the power of the good news, the gospel, the love of God in Jesus. Jesus said, go into your neighborhood and tell them the good news. Now, you know, you, you can touch the untouchable. You could speak life to death, help and heal the sick and the hurting. I mean, you could do that just to be a nice person. 
or because it feels good. And let me say, there's nothing wrong with that. Please do. If wanting to be a nice person and wanting to feel good about yourself motivates you to go help somebody and to be generous with your living, then by all means, do it. What Jesus is telling his disciples, and by extension telling us, though, is there's something deeper, there's something greater that enables and inspires and equips us to live this way. And what he said is, you've been treated generously, so live generously. Really the source, the root of living generously is in the fact that God has been generous to you, to me, to us, cosmically and personally. God has been generous for a world that God created and was broken, hurting, and lost. God stepped into time in the person of Jesus to show the way to life and took all of the pain and suffering of sin and death of the brokenness and disconnection that we've had down through eternity disconnected from God and each other in the person of Jesus he took all of that to the cross and put it to death took it to the grave and buried it and came out alive, bringing new life to our world and to us, enabling us to live the way God created us to live generously. God did that for you and for me and for all of us. And I bet if we could for just a minute be this honest and real with ourselves and with each other, there's probably plenty of people in here that would say, you know what, there's been times in my life where I've been walking dead, felt untouchable, sick and hurting, plague tormented by demons. And God generously, most likely through the generosity of somebody or a church, stepped in to that place in your life and brought healing, brought good news, brought love and encouragement and support and help and lifted you up out of that place. Jesus said, you've been treated generously so live generously. And it's so much more than just giving money. Generosity is a, it's an attitude. It's a perspective. It's a way to live. It's a way to see the world and engage in the world and the people in it. To be generous in the way of Jesus is to be generous with mercy and grace and forgiveness and love, and patience, and peace. Good grief. What if we inundated Facebook with that kind of stuff? 
What if we inundated the lives of the people around us with that kind of stuff? What if we were generous in what we were sharing and putting out into the world the way that Jesus has been generous with the world and with us? This is the kind of stuff that can change things. This is how God breathes life into a seemingly dead place. And it's what God does in our lives. And then through Jesus tells us, now go and live generously with other people. And it's really a matter of the head, of the mind, of the attitude, of the perspective that you have on the world to be generous toward other people. And in every circumstance and situation. That's why Paul writes to the churches in the New Testament, like in Corinth, when he said, take every thought captive. Everything you think, every attitude and perspective you have matters. Take them captive and submit them to Christ, to Jesus, to his way, to his teaching. And then he told the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That word for being transformed, transformation, in the Greek, it's the same root of the word metamorphosis, that we understand what turns a caterpillar into a butterfly. It is a renovation of your mind, a renovation of your head that changes your orientation towards the world and makes you generous with how you see other people, with how you see what's going on around you, and then how you engage in it. So generosity, it's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's not an action. It's an existence. And we exist in our minds generously with the world. And so in the spirit of those teachings from Paul, to take every thought captive, to have your mind renewed so that we can be generous with the world the way that God has been generous with us. Our team here at Chapel Roswell has come up with something that we want to offer you for this week as a way to just participate in that renewing of your mind to be generous because God has been gracious and generous with you and so in just a minute as we finish up and and sing our last song what we did is we had some graphics created and we've put them on the app and also on the website for you to go and get and download. And each one of them is, is just a, it's a reminder about generosity, how God has been generous with us, and we can therefore be generous with the world to, to take our thoughts captive so that you could put it on your phone as the home screen, or you could put it on your device, or you could put it on your computer, your desktop, your laptop, so that every time you open it this week, you would just have that reminder there for you. And so there's several different ones we've given you options. And you can pick one that speaks to you, maybe. 
There's one that has some of these scripture verses that we've looked at this morning. There's, there's one that says, you know, generosity is just gratitude. Come to life. There's one that says, have a generous spirit today. I mean, there's several different ones. And so as we sing this song in just a minute, I invite you, if you've got your phone or your device with you, you can go to the app or go to the website and, and get one of them. Save it, download it, make it the background on your phone. I know you've got another picture there already, and it's important and meaningful. And so I don't mean to put that down at all. Um, but just for the week, just to let that be sort of a part of your life and your day. If you'll go and get one of those and, and put it on your phone or on your device, I, I think it might be helpful for us all. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you see that before you go to social media. <laughs> and it might just affect how you interact. Or you see it before you make a phone call or respond to a text or whatever else you do. And then while we're singing, that's also going to be our time to give back to God. So every Sunday in here, we make it a habit to give an offering, or to give our tithe as a response to what God is doing, how God has blessed us. And so we've put up on the screen the ways that you can do that, texting or with the kiosk, or you can put something in the baskets that are by the doors. You can even do it on the app. But we're going to take the rest of our time this morning to, to sing. Um, I hope you'll take advantage of those graphics that we created and made available to you and to give back to God. But first for all of it, I want to ask you if we could pray together. And this is our prayer of generosity. And first, God, we, we recognize and appreciate how you've been generous to us. We can think just for a minute for all the ways that we've been blessed, all the times that you've shown up, that people have shown up for us, even at our darkest moments when we felt untouchable or tormented. And you were generous with grace and love forgiveness mercy other translations of that verse say freely we have received and it says then freely give live generously God it is our prayer together this morning that we would be so filled with your generosity, with your spirit, with your perspective and attitude towards us and towards the world, that it would reorient our thinking, that we would be just a little bit more loving, grace-filled, patient, peaceful, that we would be more ready to listen to others, to hear and respect their perspectives and experience, to give the benefit of the doubt, to be gracious and not condescending, to be generous 
not suspicious. God, would you do that holy work in us right now, this morning and this week, so that we could be more and more a part of what you're doing in our world, that your kingdom is coming in us and among us and through us. This is our prayer together. In the name of Jesus, amen.